Hello and welcome to CigarCast, your weekly one-stop shop for all things cigar-related, including industry news, reviews, and everything in between. We're recording live from Crown Cigars and Ales here in beautiful Brentwood, Tennessee. I'm one of your hosts, Trey Devin, and I am joined, as I am every week, by Mr. Shane Reeves. So once again in my life, I'm Uh-oh. always touting how great it is that I've watched wrestling my whole life, how, how much it's helped and in enriched my life watching professional wrestling. Did you put a 93-year-old lady in a full Nelson at the gas pumps earlier today? I thought we weren't going to talk about that on the air. (laughs) (laughs) No. This morning, I'm walking the Labrasaurus, and since I wasn't, this is 100% on me, I was walking a route that I don't normally walk, and I looked down at my phone to adjust my music to a different song. And just walked right off a curve, about eight inches, fell just flat. But, because I've had a lifetime of watching wrestling, tucked my arms, just took the natural bump. Oh. Just took the bump. I didn't try to catch myself, because most of those injuries come from people trying to catch yourself. A lifetime of watching wrestling has taught me how to take a bump. No, that's my, yeah, my, my grandmother, when she was, actually, I don't know how old she was at the time. It's been 20 years ago. And, but she, she, same thing happened. Fell off a curb, a curb, at a gas station. Broke her left wrist and right ankle. Still don't know how that she was. She trying wrong. to catch herself. But she that's exactly what she it is. She didn't watch wrestling. Yeah. Had she watched wrestling, she took the bump and been fine. And my childhood would have been a lot more interesting. <laughs> and I'll, no, I did, I did break the um, screen protector on my phone. That but happens. That's why that you can have be a replaced. protector. Yeah. <laughs> You know, that's why my phone is still in perfect condition, because I had a screen protector on it. Those, anybody listening, this is going to be a little PSA, because this is, there are, it's it's rare that there is a product on the market that I value as much as the tempered glass screen protectors. Yes. Oh my, what we ever did before those came to market, I don't know, because that is the single greatest invention to our modern lives, second only to the phone itself. Not only that, I, I broke it this morning. I ordered a new one when I got home. It was at my house at 3 o'clock today. Yeah. I mean, just just a perfect perfect piece of information. If you don't have a screen protector on your phone, something's wrong with you. Specifically the tempered glass ones. Because what I like about them is that they'll take the hit. They'll crack. Right. Whereas if you have just the plastic film, all that does is keep you from cutting your thumb on the cracked screen. Right. Keeps you from scratching it or something. Right. Yeah. It doesn't really give it any protection. Right. So, okay. Let's talk about what we're smoking tonight. All right. So I'm smoking one of the um, cigars that they gave me at the Dennis Prague in Tampa. It's the Florida Sun Grown by Drew Estate. Mm-hmm. Smoking the Bellicoso tonight. It's a Honduran binder. The filler is Nicaraguan and Florida Sun Grown Corojo, and the wrapper is Brazilian Aparaca. All right. Um, great cigar. I really enjoy this cigar. You know, it's funny. It, I'm not a fan. It's one of the few cigars that you and I, I mean, oftentimes you and I will sort of slightly disagree or, or you know, not quite see eye to eye. There are very few cigars where you and I just completely disagree. And I, it, that cigar for me, if you were to hand me one for the show tonight, I would have said politely, no thanks. It's not your stick. Because I won't enjoy it as much as you will. Right. So it would be lost on me. Well, you know, we went down to the first barn smoker when they first released these, and I bought a box, and I smoked a box of them and really liked them, and it held up through the whole box. It wasn't like, you got to be careful with these cigar experiences <laughs> that you don't get carried away and get home with a box of cigars and say, oh, I really shouldn't have bought a box of that stick. Right. 
but these have held up for me just fine. Yeah, the Alec Bradley Max was was one of the first bo- was the first no it was the second box purchase I ever made in cigars, and that was one of those. By the time I got about two thirds of the way through that box, I regretted that decision. Yeah. I'm so, so tired of it. You know that's that's one of the things we have to consider when rating cigars is what is the longevity? Do you cool on them? Speaking of which, so I revisited that uh, cigar today. Hooten Young. The Hooten Young. Yeah, it's a seven. That's absolutely a seven cigar. That thing was perfect in every way. Those are just great cigars. Oh, my gosh. I finally had the kind of day where it wasn't too hot outside. I wasn't too stressed out at work. I just I had a, I had a one-hour meeting that I needed to be present for but didn't have to be doing anything. So I put in my headphones. I sat outside, smoked that cigar, and it was absolutely remarkable. Yeah, just just great smokes. They're they're going to come on stronger in the market. They, you can't create a product that great and not. What was the MSRP on that? Oh, uh, like twelve dollars. Yeah, that's 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 a real winner at twelve dollars. Yeah, it was not bad. It was just a great smoke. Yeah. You know, I, I bought like I said, I smoked one and bought a box. So what are you smoking tonight? So, you know, we talked a lot about Forged in the lead up to their release and their their launch and all of that. But to my knowledge, we haven't really smoked any of their stuff on the show yet. I think Spirit of the Lady. I think, but one or two. Sure. You know, uh, in in four months now. I mean, so I definitely think it's high time we, we correct that. So I, I went into the humidor here and I grabbed the Partagas Yellow Label, which I've only smoked one of so far. I didn't smoke this size. This is, uh, I believe it's called the Natural. Um, it's a five and a half by 46, I think it said on the box. I already threw away the wrapper, so I don't know. But that was, I, I probably should have kept that in mind. It's right in front of you. There it is. <laughs> Thank you. It is a 42 by five and a half. Yeah. Yeah. Um, not the size I would have grabbed left to my own devices, but the only other size they had in it was the six by 60. So I figured this was a better shot. It has a. Cameroon wrapper, which I'm a huge fan of, a Mexican San Andreas binder. You wouldn't think those two would play well together in those roles, um, but it does have a Dominican Piloto Cubana filler. Uh, so it well-rounded. I, I don't remember just a ton about the, the flavor or the experience around this, but I do remember it being very good value for dollar. I, I really like that cigar. I enjoy that cigar. It's mild. It's not a super heavy cigar. And I will say this. I don't know what the rest of the Forge reps are doing, but, man, our local Forge rep is working his butt off around here. That has been his M.O. since I've known him. Yeah. But, I mean, he, you, you know, it's interesting when you see somebody get a job you know they love uh-huh. and you see how much of their selves they just pour into it. And he's just been pouring it on. He's mm-hmm. just been doing a great job. Nate McIntyre, I'm, I'm not afraid to say his name. He's just, Nate just has been working the far out of it. He's he's always doing something, always somewhere. And he's so much better than he has to be. Yeah. I think just like the worst thing I can say is what's the rest of your life, the best thing I can say about a human being is you're so much better than you would have to be. I wouldn't hold you, I would not hold Nate guilty for being less than what he is. For being 70%. Yeah. Yeah, but he's 120% all the time. I mean, just outstanding guy. And all. But speaking of Nate, 
and all. If, if I'm friends with him on Facebook, and he's always trying to sell a watch. <laughs> That's true. He is he is definitely a watch guy. Yeah, he's he likes the the timepieces. I don't think there's anything quite this degree that he gets involved in, but there may be. I don't know. And uh, Monte Cristo partners with BRM chronographers or chronogra- chronographs. There you go. BRM chronographs to release 32 humidors with the Monte Cristo BRM cigar, 40 cigars per humidor, and one of their watches. I think this is pretty cool if you're a cigar guy and a watch guy. Now, I realize we're taking two very niche markets and kind of pulling a Reese's peanut butter cup there, but I do think there's enough overlap that these will sell out instantly. Well, it's even nichier in that you've got to be a cigar guy, you've got to be a watch guy, and you've got to have $11,000 to drop on the hobby. Yeah, but I think... So when you're talking about watch guys, of, and you're talking about watches along these lines, this is, yes, $11,000 is still a lot of money. But this is not even... This is not even top of the mark as far as watch prices go. Yeah, I mean, they can get way, way, way out there. This, all 40 cigars are one size, 6 by 42 Tobacco grown in Nicaragua. The wrapper is Jalapa. The binder is Omatepe. And the filler is Condega from Esteli. And it says it's a medium to full-bodied cigar. And I do, I, I do like that they're putting 40 cigars with it. Yeah. At that price tag, I would expect two boxes worth of cigars at least. Yeah. And, and I mean, the, the humidor itself is nice. It's definitely designed in such a way that it shows off the watch because it's kind of presented as a single piece. Um, but once you take the watch out, I'm, sh- I'm sure that gives you plenty of room for, for other cigars. It's not remarkable. It looks like a Monte Cristo box, but, you know, it, I, I, think it, I think they did a very good job on the marketing, the branding, and the, and the packaging here. Well, the, so here's my question. Before I bought a smartwatch, I hadn't worn a watch in 15 years. And... The smart watch, is the smartwatch killing that premium watch industry, or are the guys that in it in it don't matter? The guys that are in that premium watch community are solidly planted in it. They, they're not going anywhere. Um, I can't imagine it's an industry that's growing. Well, no. It, it's definitely an industry that very much follows the path of the economy. When the economy's good... For the middle class, then business is good in the watch. Um, if, if it's if it's not, it's not. Um, you see, it's a lot like cars. You see a you see a growth in the used market um, in, in those slimmer times. But um, no, I also think though, you know, because I have always worn a, worn a watch. You know, even going back to the days before smartwatches were a thing, I've always worn a watch. Um, but I've never been I've never been one of these guys. I yeah. can appreciate the crap out of a super nice watch that's made well, that has all of the you know, the bells and whistles, if you will, and the but it's just not for me. Yeah, I think I think you're either that guy or you're not. And I and I couldn't imagine wearing a watch that just told me the time. I couldn't <laughs> I couldn't imagine wearing a watch that was, or having a watch collection that valued the same as the house they kept were kept in. Yeah, can't can't imagine, but cool deal, cool setup. 
always like to see new stuff introduced in the cigar industry, so it's a cool little pairing there. Yeah. Now, this is finally, you know, last week we were kind of beating on Drew Estates about not knocking our socks off lately. So, they're finally creating a cigar I'm looking forward to. Hey. Drew Estate announces the Undercrown 10. So, this was sent out as the Drew Estate mystery cigar for events and all. If they were having an online event and you bought a box, you got one of the mystery cigars and people were smoking them and raving about them. And then it was revealed last week sometime that that was actually going to be the Undercrown 10, a regular production cigar. Okay. Uh, recipe on this, very nice. Um, Mexican San Andreas wrapper, Connecticut River Valley broadleaf binder, and Nicaraguan fillers. Blended by Willie Herrera. Right. So it's already up there on my list. Just blended by Willie Herrera automatically moves it up on my list. Uh, very, very attractive banding. I actually spoke to someone here who got to smoke one of the samples. Yeah. And she said that she really enjoyed it, really liked it, thought it's that Austin was not as impressed as she was. But that's that's typical for Austin's palate. This is not his cigar. Well, that probably makes it more likely that I will enjoy it than right. he didn't. Because he right. and I kind of have, you know, you and I, our palates run similar except for on the Florida Sun Grum. Right. But... His palate is way off, way out there. Yeah. And uh, on his own. So really looking forward to this. It's it's funny because in Drew Estate fashion, Facebook has been taken over. Every time somebody grabs one of these, they post it on the Drew Estate page. Right. And all. But, I mean, price, not bad. Uh, Toro, 12 bucks. Uh, the Corona um, Double, 7 by 50 13 a piece. Not bad. They don't have it in 6 by 60 and all they do have it in a 6x46. But um, that's that's Willie's thing. Willie's not a big ring-gauge cigar blender. Right. I kind of would be a little dubious if it was in a 660, because I know Willie, and that's just not what he likes. He does not like a big ring-gauge cigar. Yeah. So this kind of reflects his his more true, the true nature of Willie Herrera. Right. So I'm excited for this cigar. Yeah. Yeah, I, I actually am too, believe it or not. You know, it's... I I liked the regular Undercrown when it first came out. I kind of lost some of some of the fire for it uh, somewhere along the way. I like the shade fine. It doesn't. It's it certainly doesn't hold for me what it does for you. But I I am looking forward to this. I even like the Dogma that came out. Like so, Dogma's so a great the, cigar. Yeah. So so this I, and I imagine the flavor profiles to be somewhat similar. So I, I, I'm looking forward to this. So. Drew Estate, 25th Celebration Bash, September 25th, 2021. So this is cool. You know, Drew Estate, they're not being at PCA. They're not at the Tobacco Plus Expo that's going on right now. They've just decided to make their own event. Yeah. And it will be held September 25th at the South Fork Ranch in Parker, Texas, part of the Dallas-Fort Worth metropolitan area for those following at home. And they'll receive a onslaught of packages worth the company's worthy of the company's single biggest milestone event. So that tells me that the, the Drew Estate's really going to be throwing some swag at yeah. you. I do think that's so silly, though, when you're talking about when you're talking about anniversaries. The single biggest milestone event in its history. Well, yeah, each one that follows like is going to be bigger than the one before. Like that's kind of how this things these things work. 
Well, you can't you can't blame them for taking a little no, poetic a- license. Absolutely. I just I always think it's funny when people try to make non things into things for the sake of marketing. The extravaganza will begin at two with a tailgate party. Of course. And they will have appetizers and a Drew Estate cigar brand sensory activations. Uh, that's interesting thought. <laughs> but um, looks looks real cool. I mean, just really looks cool. Tickets go on sale to the general public on May 14th and cost $400. Not bad. Yeah. If you're getting enough sticks, that's not... And I know you're getting enough sticks. I mean, you think about just the barn smoker. If you never went to another barn smoker and they offered the barn smoker swag pack for sale, we would all buy one. Right. I mean, so with Drew Estate's record in the... And they always have such good swag. Their swag's always top-notch. Top-notch. I keep, I keep one of those convertible backpacks in my car at all times. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're always top-notch stuff. So pretty excited about this. And I don't think I'll go to this one. I'll probably wait a little while. Yeah. And I'll, because, again, same reason I'm not going to Barn Smoker. They're still a little bit nuts. Do you want to go out there and ask him if you can drive his car? No, I want to ask him if he's ever parked it before. I thought he was going to go across two lanes. He was he was coming back. I, hey, like, is that a 20, 2020 Corvette, 2019 Corvette? Yeah, it's, it's the new one. It's the mid-engine one. Yeah, it's the one that looks like a Lamborghini. Yeah. And I just pulled in the parking lot, and I lost Trey for a minute, everyone. No, I'm was, over here pouring was, my heart out. I was still hanging with you. I just I have Try. never seen someone pull in so aggressively and then park so poorly. It was just it was distracting. Try, trying to sell tickets for Drew Estate, that's, 400 that, bucks a pop. That's and fine, then, and I'm sure Kyle will love you for it. But <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm sure he will, and I can't, I can't wait for Kyle to get to where he can come back to events and I can see him again. I've missed not seeing him for a couple I of years. I have, too. And also, I can't wait for him to get back to where he can come back into that. But very, very cool car pulled up in parking lot. But anyway, so this is a pretty cool idea. I think this may be, I think you're going to see more of this and less of the trade shows and the Tobacco Plus Expos. I think they've realized what I've been saying all along. The consumers need to be talking about the cigars, not the retailers. Well, so here's the thing. I think I think we're going to talk about that more in the second half of the show, uh, based based uh, about the um, consumers being allowed at events. But it makes me wonder because not everybody has the kind of payroll, not everybody has the kind of funding that Drew Estate has to be able to pull something like this off. No, but you can you can make it up in volume. You can get sponsorships by people. It doesn't have to be a Drew Estate event. You know, a perfect example. Well, no, but before you move on, because the thing the thing with the trade show is that a lot of people buy in to grant a lot of access, and that is intended to make money. That's where you're placing orders. That's where it. That is a that is a business a cash flow positive event for these businesses, and so yeah, you can get sponsorship and you can get things and do. But if it's not making you money, then it's not a replacement for the show. I think the model is changing. Okay. I think so. Here's what I and, and then. That's probably we're probably arguing two different points. I think we are. The model, what my argument is, the model is changing. Instead of, hey, come to my booth, smoke one of my cigars, and place a big order, or we'll cut you a deal to place a big order at this show. The consumer is so much better. At, we have better educated consumers now than we've ever had at any point in history. Right. 
the availability of information, the social media fronts, all of the things for good or bad, we've never had better access to information as consumers. And I think shops are going to have to learn. People are going to come in and say, hey, I want this cigar. Right. And when three people come in and say, I want this cigar, you better be getting it or somebody's going to find, they're going to find somewhere else to get it. Yeah. And I think, I think it's interesting too. I, you know, I really love what they do down in Madison with their, their huge multi-vendor anniversary party. There is a shop in, on the South side. Well, I say South side, it's some podunk suburb of Atlanta out, out South that does a similar kind of event every year. And and I like that because they're regional. You right. know, it's it's a brick and mortar doing that, but they get all of the reps involved. You know, where something like this, you know, you have to get to Texas. You have to be a big enough fan that it's worth the investment. You have to I mean, I know Texas is a huge cigar state, especially the Dallas Fort Worth area is a huge cigar area. So I they're not gonna have problems drawing a crowd. But what happens when the guys from Crux Cigars want to do this, and they're up in, in Minnesota somewhere, or, or Michigan, or somewhere up in... Hey, they'll rent them a place in Texas. <laughs> well, but, you know what I mean? So, again, like, not to, not to crap all over your point, because I don't think we're necessarily arguing uh, the same points, but I, I would love to see the trade show model shift to something that is more... Uh, Collaborative between the consumer, the retailer, and the manufacturer. Sure. I just don't know that this is it. Well, Drew Estate can pull this off. Probably nobody else can. That's and, and that's really the point I was making. Yeah, Drew Estate can pull this off because Drew Estate has so many lines. They got the Undercrown, they got the Hoya, they got the Acid, they got the you know, they have the Liga, they have so many different lines of cigars. They're kind of under their umbrella, their home thing. Yeah, I don't care what kind of a cigar smoker you are. There's a Drew Estate you'll like. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So yeah. Perdomo can't say that. Yeah, and uh, very few, very few cigar companies can say that. Well, yeah. actually, I think Drew Estate's the only one that had the range that Drew Estate has. Because even General, that probably has as many cigars still doesn't have the range of palette that Drew Estate carries. No, I'm going to disagree with you on that. I think they can hang. Um, I think Oliva can hang. Now, they don't have the personality to pull it off. Right. They you don't, don't have, have the corporate... hardcore Oliva no. people. No, but they have the cigars that could pull it off. They could, but you got to have more than the cigars. I know, but I'm, I'm just saying, yeah, you're right. They don't have the gravitas that Drew Estate has that you also need. Now, Perdomo, by, since I just threw them under the bus, they do. They've got the cult following. They've got the presence. They've got the great figurehead. They've got everything they know, they need. Um, I just don't think they have enough variants in their portfolio. Do you think the availability of Nick Perdomo hurts him in some, in some range? Because, you know, we're going to talk about this later in the show. And uh, there's another Winston Churchill cigar butt going up for sale. Only if it affects Al McAuliffe in the same way. Because you've got to think they're very similar in the in the availability they give themselves to their consumers. That's true. But Al McAuliffe's, he's launching a brand. Perdomo is an established brand. True. But th- So then we would compare him to Rocky. Yeah. In which case I say, well, maybe you're right. Yeah. But so... Okay, punctuate that point. Sorry, I dropped my lighter. Two Guys Smoke Shop, 36th anniversary tickets go on sale May 1st. So now this is more like what I'm talking about in that this 
online, they're one of the biggest online cigar retailers in the country. If you want Roma Craft, short runs, special editions, limited releases, this is where to go. If you've ever yeah. if you've ever looked for a firecracker or if you've ever looked for um, a, a special release Roma Craft, this is where you found it. They are the world's largest volume independently owned and operated cigar retail shop. Now, I realize there's a lot of qualifiers there and all, but the, uh, the vibe is if you want some rare boutique stuff, you're not going to go to Cigars International and get it. You're going to two guys. Right. It, just, to, just to break it down for those playing the home game. So it's the world's largest volume. That includes online and in-person retail. Um, independently owned, meaning they're not Casa de Monte Cristo. And they're also um, not Cigars International. That, that, that's all that, 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 those are the only qualifiers there that it's really making. And so their event is going to be um, September 16th 20, in 2021, and they're in Haverhill, Massachusetts. Well, if you tried to make both of these events, it'd kind of be like trying to go at all the Major League Ball stadiums in a year. <laughs> <laughs> and, okay, they're giving away a camper. <laughs> That's pretty cool. That is that is pretty cool. I mean, I thought the Traeger Grill giveaway from La Aurora last year was pretty good. But uh, this is this is up there. I mean, and that's it, it's not a slacker. Well, and I'll tell you, the brands they have listed is really really impressive. They got Agonor Salif, Kristoff, LFD. I don't know how they're going to get enough LFD cigars together to do this. Aladino, CLE, Perdomo, Padron, Jorge Padron is going to be there. Well, so that's the other thing. You've got uh, Gusto Aroa. You've got mm-hmm. Rafael Nadal. Uh, you've got some really big Eric Newman from, from Diamond Crown. So, I mean, everyone's bringing out their A game here. So, okay. If I, if I gave you a ticket. Except for Rocky. He's sending Nish. He's in a Nish. <laughs> okay. So, here's my question. I, I know your answer. Um, if I give you a ticket to either one of these, your choice. Do you go to the Drew Estate event or do you go to the Two Guys Smoke? Ooh. Because the uh, my guess on you is you would go to the Two Guys Smoke because that's more of the cigars you smoke. Yeah, but I feel like the Drew Estate event is the better event. Well, one, it's in Texas. It's not in Massachusetts. I love Massachusetts. <laughs> I absolutely adore Massachusetts. Um, I, I think... Uh, I think I'm going to have to say Drew Estate in that, which I know surprises you, and it's. But your your reasoning is is entirely valid. I would definitely like the cigars at the Two Guys Smoke Shop better, but I feel like the event itself. I mean, we know Drew Estate puts on a heck of an event. As much as I love Drew Estate, I would have to go to the Two Guys. <laughs> so that, that's very different. But the chance, you know, we had a Freaky Friday moment. Yeah. The chance to meet Jorge Padron. That's a good point. And I'll Nesta Miranda, and I'll you know the even even Terrence Riley from Aganor Salif. I'd like to meet him. I'd like because Aganor Salif makes some of my favorite cigars. So the the chance the the range of people there is pretty strong. Plus, I'd like to win the camper, and you know how I am well, yeah. with winning stuff. Yeah, it's true. Well, and you I'll, wouldn't win it, Glenda would. But well, yeah, well, whoever won it, I'd still get to use it, <laughs> at least on weekends. 
But just that's a cool deal. And I, like I said, I think we're going to see more of this. I think we're going to see a lot more of this, a lot more of the cigar tourism world come into light as companies realize this is a good way. This is a good way to get the product out and make. You know, Don Gonzalez told me years ago, I can spend ten thousand dollars doing an ad in a cigar aficionado. Or I can go to shops and shake hands and make friends and meet people. Right. Which do you think is going to be a more successful marketing scheme? Yeah. That $10,000 in plane tickets will will result in a lot more sales. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Gonna, you're going to get some of it back. Exactly. It's just a dead cost in aficionado. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but you get the chance to be Cigar of the Year out of it. Sure. Well, let's take a quick break. Yep. I bet, and uh, the price for Cigar of the Year is way over 10000 Oh, uh, yes. <laughs> and uh, speaking of which, when we get back, we are going to talk about E.P. Carrillo releasing their Top 25 Trilogy box. Speaking of purchasing Cigar of the Year. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and uh, that'd be a great segue if we weren't about to take a break. <laughs> but we're going to take a break. We'll be back in a minute. Back to the cigar cast. It's one of your hosts, Shane, sitting across from the man who lost a bet to me on a racquetball game and now must name his firstborn son Balthazar. Traded. <laughs> How awesome would that be, Balthazar Deadman? So, I mean, if the, if that's not a movie star waiting to happen, <laughs> <laughs> I think it's it's. We'll we'll talk about it after the show. <laughs> I, I get the feeling I'm going to get vetoed by the wife on the Valpazar. Actually, actually, no. So, okay, fine. I'll talk about it here. So, it, it's no secret that we're hoping to just start our family sometime within this year or next. You know, whenever whenever it happens. So, the one thing that we both refuse to talk about in our house is potential baby names. Right. And the reason for that is that we both have very strong opinions if it should happen to be a boy. Being the fact that I'm the third of a long line of, of people who I think the world of and would want to, to honor with a name. And there are some pretty strong family ties to names on her side as well. So talking about especially boy baby names is is a absolute no-no in our house. We just avoid the fight. Do me a favor, though. That being said... We have both agreed that we really love the idea of, like, super old names. Right. Like Artemis. And, and uh, two o'clock, Artemis, time for your beating. Come on out to the <laughs> playground. But, you know, but, um, the Elton, you know, the things, things that you haven't heard in, you know, a hundred years. I'm just telling you. So no, Balthazar fits that list is no, what I'm saying. Nobody's going to screw with Balthazar Deadman. <laughs> Balthazar Deadman could be a Game of Thrones character. You know, I, I'm, I, I've I actually... You just got your veto. <laughs> that, that was what did it. Oh, Game of Thrones. We, I actually sent a letter to Jay Drescher, one of our friends that writes pirate books, and said, next book, Balthazar. <laughs> Great pirate name. Outstanding pirate name. And Bel- Balthazar Deadman just makes it that much better. And all. So, anyway. But the problem a, is, he's going to be built like me. It's really hard to pull Balthazar off when you're 100 pounds soaking wet in high school. But he, well, he's still, but he gets to carry the name. Okay. You know, the, <laughs> his buddies, he call him Bal. Hey, Bal, come here. 
<laughs> and all, you know, there, there's a lot of advantages to Balthazar. But do me a favor. Two names only. First name, middle name. I hate these families where they have like six names. Julius, Francisco, Rothschild, the 15th. You know, it's like, come on, people. Pick two names. Commit. Uh, see, I like, um, there's, I don't remember the TV show. But essentially, the, the plot line was they were planning to have a, a bunch of kids. And then, for whatever reason, the plan changed, and this is going to be their last kid. And so they named, and they gave it, like, seven middle names because it was all the names they had picked out for the other kids. Yeah, see, that's obscene. <laughs> Nobody should ever do I that. I think it's hilarious. But he, you've also got to remember, so this because this comes up a lot in my house, so... My wife goes by her middle name, so it's a headache whenever we have to get plane tickets or go to the doctor's office, anything like that. I go by my middle name. I don't. Do you really? Yeah. I didn't know that. I think I did. I think I did. Anyway, my my wife will claim she didn't know that till we were getting married, but I think <laughs> she's just lost. She forgot. She forgot. Um, and so I go by a name that's not my legal name. So, and it's the same name as my dad. So, getting on an airplane growing up was a nightmare. So I say all that to say, we got to do something to screw this kid's name up. It just because that's the way things go in our household. We want it to be included. You know, just keep passing the trauma down the lines. That'll work out well for you. <laughs> well, then we'll just pretend we're Republicans. <laughs> anyway, E.P. Creo releases top 25 trilogy box set. Okay. This is a good piece of marketing. For, before I trash it. Let me just say, you know, they're releasing the Pledge prequel, they're releasing the Encore and the La um, Historia in a three-play. So you can have two number ones and a number two Cigar of the Year. That's where I lose faith a little bit. Are they they so lacking in confidence of getting another number one that they couldn't just hold on to this idea? Oh no! This is this is smart. Okay. Because now, how many people do you know are going to think all three of these were number ones? Oh, you think? I already thought the Lost Storia was a number one. <laughs> exactly. See, this is brilliant because they're giving it the rub. And I uh, and I, I like that they did top twenty five trilogy because they could have done top five trilogy. Right. But top five would highlight the fact that one of them was not a number one. Right. So they went top 25. They're just including the list as it's described. That, this is a that, pretty, that's good, pretty good. Yeah. I, if you had asked me to name uh, E.P. Carrillo's two num- cigars of the year, I would have said the Encore Majestic and the La Astoria. That's that, those are the two I thought it was. So. Yeah. So this is pretty good. This is given the rub. To go back to a wrestling turn, this is them give, giving the La Astoria the rub from the Encore and the prequel. And all, which are good cigars. Don't get me wrong; all three of them great cigars. And all, they're gonna they're gonna send out a um, hundred boxes, but a thousand more are scheduled to ship in two weeks. And by June, another four thousand boxes are expected. So these are gonna move out pretty quick. Yeah, and it's it's not a super limited run, but it's it's limited enough. It's limited ish, but I, I think this is more the about the cases. The case looks awesome. Oh yeah, and I think this is more about. Making people think the La Astoria was number one, then you could be right. Anything else, and also okay. Let's catch a quick legislative update. 
Cigar Group, FDA, meet again in Federal Appeals Court. Um, this was on May 7th. And the Food and Drug Administration and the Cigar Group, Cigar Rights America, everybody else, met in the Court of Appeals. I'm go- So I'll tell you what I got out of the article. Okay. The cigar, ri- cigar groups came out against a, a, a judge panel that was not in their favor. Mm-hmm. Presented their case very intelligently, very well, showed their evidence, had all their stuff together. The FDA came out and said, because we say so, and the cigar rights group wins. That is that a accurate summation of the fight? I'd, I'd say, yeah, that's pretty... Because the, the judges, you know, if you look before they even, less than 30 seconds into his opening statement... The main attorney from the still from the cigar industry was cut off by Justin R. Walker, who wanted to talk about minutias regarding substantial equivalence. So this is not this is definitely a um, definitely not a judge that come in on the side of the cigar industry. No, see, I, I actually disagree with that a little bit. Uh, it's impossible to know where this guy actually sits, but the crux of CRA's arguments against this regulation by the FDA is around substantial equivalence. So this is a judge that wants to dive into the minutia. He goes, okay, like, because in an, in an appellate court on an appeals case, you, you're not, it's not just the same trial heard by different people. It's, it's looking back at the case and picking apart the arguments and, and looking for things that maybe weren't grasped the first time. It's, it's a little bit of a different animal. So when I read that and I see that this judge is like, no, I'm going to deep dive into the weeds on these specific things that you guys are up in arms again. To me, that's a good sign. It can be, it can be it viewed both be. ways. And I would, I would rather have it your way than mine. I'd much rather that be the case. And because uh, this stems from the FDA wanted to delay yet again and Judge Maida said no. We covered that article several weeks ago, right. or several months ago. And uh, so they're they're making the FDA accountable, which is the number one thing they need to do. Yeah, that's. I mean, and that's what all of these lawsuits have been about. And that's why, for two people who, by and large, are kind of anti-lawsuit, you know, I I think it's part of the reason why you and I have both been. So so positive towards CRA constantly clogging up the courts with hearings is because no, we are holding you to task. Yeah, they're they're hoping they can set it in. You know, years ago, we fought the privilege tax in the Home Builders Association. They wanted to establish that it was a privilege to own a home and tax you for that, and we fought it. And they said, oh, well, we'll just set it at a low rate. Well, that just means they're going to raise the rate later. Exactly. And they're trying to wear you down. So I appreciate that the Cigar Rights of America is not falling for that ploy from the FDA and are pushing it out there. Right. So good job, Cigar Rights of America. Well, I would love to be the person that has the gall to sit up on a panel and say that homeownership is a privilege. Oh, all you got to do is be in the city. No, I know, but just to have that kind of lack of... Uh, I don't know. That just that comes from a position that I could never find myself in. I could not. I couldn't wrap my head around taking that position. That's why you're not a politician. Exactly. Well, you you can't I care too much about other people. Yeah, you can't fool yourself. And I'll. 
All right. So this from the County Times. I don't know which county. West Sussex County Times in the UK. Queen Victoria's slippers and Churchill's cigar butt go on sale in Sussex. So we're getting the Queen's feet and Churchill's butt. (laughs) Well. So they're showing this rickety old pair of slippers. I'm not going to cover anything on the slippers because this is not the slipper cast. How bored would the slipper <laughs> would cast be? be? That, they would not make it <laughs> 200 some odd episodes. But, okay, this is now the third or fourth Winston Churchill cigar butt to go on sale. Yeah. At what point have you saturated the market? Yeah, that's that's the thing. There are only a handful of people. This kind of goes back to the watch article we did at the top of the show. There's only a handful of people that, A, care enough about Churchill to want this, care enough about cigars to to not be repulsed by the fact that they've got a stale old cigar butt in their house, and C, have the kind of money to afford whatever it's going to take to buy it. Yeah, I think this is supposed to go for something like 5,000 pounds or 15,000 pounds or something like that. They don't have an estimate on here, but another article I was looking at said something about it. Yeah, it just, uh, yeah, at a certain point, after you've sold eight of them, I think you're done. I think that's the, those are the eight people who would want to buy it. Well, you have to control your market. You know, when we go garage selling, and we have a huge stroller weekend, and my wife buys like four strollers. You don't put them all up for resale at the right. same time. You don't go competing with yourself. You put one up, you sell it, then you put another one up, and you sell it, then you put another one up, and you sell it. Although, you, if you were if you were strategic enough, you could probably use that to your advantage. Uh, gener- generally, we're close you enough to the right. top of the market. Yeah. We generally come out at the top of the market, and in order to preserve, we'd rather make more on each stroller than sell more strollers. Right. So it's. I'm all just about, saying, if you've got three comps out there, I'm putting your real estate hat on. If you've got four strollers, so you've got three comps for each one, and you can say, but this one's listed at this, like this one just sold for this, like, <laughs> and you've yeah. marked them all up 20% using your own comps to, to boost your price. Right. Yeah, you don't. You don't. Want, you want to control the market. Yeah. That's what you want to do. We keep the stroller market cornered, if at all possible. And actually, if somebody comes in and tries to sell one cheaper than us, we'll buy it from them and then put it on right. sale at our price. <laughs> and I'm sure. I'm sure the the uh, trade commission is going to come after me for cornering the stroller market at some point. <laughs> and all, but that yeah. and uh, frozen orange juice futures. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> But here's the thing. If you come out, if you happen to be holding on to one of Winston Churchill's cigar butts, give it about 10 years. And, and, or just hold on to it. Just, yeah, just take think, that piece of history and, and use it as a talking piece. Yeah, I think it needs, it. A, needs a little bit. I don't think anybody's <laughs> smoking them. <laughs> but I think it needs a little time. I think we've had such an influx of these come on to our thing that it's, it's not worth doing anymore. And, uh, okay, so this is cool. This is from the City Sun-Times. You're, you're hitting the local news hard this week. Well, anybody can go to aficionado and pull off a bunch of articles and start yakking about them. I like to dig a little deeper. No, I, I, uh, I'm with you. I'm with you. Chamber holds ribbon-cutting ceremony at Sticks Golf and Cigar Lounge in Carefree. Okay, where is Carefree? Okay. No, this happens every time I do one of these articles. It's in always, Arizona. Arizona, thank you. So, I and a handful of my friends 
at uh, the cigar shop in Atlanta had this idea 10 years ago and actually like started looking for a place yeah I, I am I just think it's so funny that they're doing it in Arizona it's the golf capital of the world because you can play 360 days a year because the weather's always perfect why do you need indoor <laughs> Well, but you take somebody... It's too hot. They can't, you know, it's, uh, trying to learn... Because I've, I've said this before, and this is also what makes this a great... So I got started playing golf because I was friends with other people who played golf at the cigar shop first. And they were all playing golf. And I was like, yeah, I've always thought it sounded interesting. And, and there we go. And I've said this many times. I've even said it on the show before. The worst thing about learning to golf is playing golf because sure enough you've got a group behind you that's breathing down your neck the whole time and you can let them play through but then you've got the the range uh, the the ranger coming out you guys got to pick up the pace i can't help it it's my second time out and it really discourages people from learning learning the sport this is a great way for beginners to learn how to make contact with the ball in a way that they don't get discouraged. They don't hold everybody else up. They're not constantly getting barked at. I think this is fabulous. Well, I will say there's no sport individually. Now, not speaking of team sports because they have their own difficulties. There's no sport with a greater barrier to entry than golf. Yeah. The clubs are expensive. The green fees are expensive. A lot of the people's that people that play it are not great human beings at times. And 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 the the learning curve is steep. You but, you can play all your life and never shoot par. Yeah. Yeah, so there you know, now there's a lot of good parts about golf. Yeah, it's a relaxing way to walk. It, it's a relax. Well, it's also um, I love the fact that you keep your own score in golf and you're only playing against yourself. Yeah. That adds a lot to the golf game for me. If you if you're the kind of person that can do that, I've I've played I've had some friends that every time they wanted to play a dollar a hole, and it's like that's great, but why why don't I just pay eighteen dollars of your green fee and let's just call it a day? Well, also well, but playing for a little money will make you play better to a certain extent. But it's also but the the guy who did that was on the amateur tour. Oh yeah, well. and he was you know he was spotting us you know you know handicap points and I still don't even really know how that math works out. But the 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 fact of the matter is like at that point I know you're better than me. I'll, I'll give you the money if that's what you really want. <laughs> but now have you ever played Wolf? No. Oh, uh, Wolf is the also. This is a cigar and golf lesson here. Wolf is my favorite betting golf game to play. Okay. So whoever's first up to the tee, you alternate. You don't do the traditional whoever's right. had the most strokes goes robin. first. Right. You do a round robin. First person up the tee hits the ball. Then the second person hits. Now, you can decide he's going to be your partner, or you can wait for the third person to hit. Then you can decide him. So you pick your partner, and then you add the two scores together, and that's who wins the hole. But if you're on a par three and you drop it six inches for the cup, you can go lone wolf and go to beat the other three, and the bet doubles. Gotcha. Because you're getting it from three right. people instead of... Right. So so Wolf is a is a, is a great get betting golf game, but it takes some of that stress off because you can pick somebody yeah. that's a lot better well, than it, you. It's a... Um, it, it's a... 
what's it? It's kind of a. It, it's almost like a scramble, but it's more fun. It's always changing. I, I like that. Now, if you don't select person two, and person three goes, and they're worse than person two, you can't pick person two anymore. It depends after. on how you play okay. Wolf. I've played it both ways. Okay. I played it where you get the choice at the end of who you want to be your partner, and I played it where. You must take it or pass on this yeah, ball. Kind of like Yahtzee. Yeah, so I, I've played it both ways. But that, that's a great golf betting game. <laughs> Next time we go golfing, we got to do that. That sounds like fun. Okay, so I'm going to pull the show over. Have we're we gonna, not already? We're going to have an episode of Will Trey Eat It. Oh, I wondered when this was going to creep in. So I always, I didn't want to run out of time. I didn't want to cover you. another story and not get to Will Trey Eat It. So Trey's dining habits are a mystery to me. He won't eat hot dogs. He won't eat bologna. But he'll eat gyros. <laughs> I love how you think those are the same. They, okay, so you got this big block of lamb spam that the dude shaves off of this frozen block of lamb but spam. But it's all good cuts of meat. It's not lips, thighs, and buttholes like like bologna and hamburgers are, yeah, or so, hot dogs are. So it's wasteful. I want to use the whole buffalo. I am a humanitarian. I am a conservationist. I want to use the whole buffalo, and if that means I've got to eat the occasional set of lips, I'm okay with that. Turn them into guitar strings like they used to. <laughs> well, whatever happens, but it's much it's much easier to turn them into bologna than guitar strings, for crying <laughs> out loud. But So, I'm always, as I travel through life, wondering, will Trey eat it? And I'll, and I have this so I have this complex formula about when I'm eating something I try to decide if Trey will eat it because I have to think of several things. I have to think of taste. I have to think of texture. I have to think about what it says about him politically. I have to think about <laughs> pretentiousness. Pretentious. What the pretentious? I firmly believe that if euros were made in Sheboygan, you wouldn't need them. It's not. There's <laughs> nothing pretentious about euros. The fact that you think oh, euros, euros are pretentious is the funniest thing in the world oh, to yeah, me. We're eating Mediterranean food. No, you're not. You're eating a euro. It's <laughs> yeah. street oh, food. No. Oh it's, no, they all stand up and oh, we're, it's like street tacos. Tacos good, but you make them street tacos, and every hippie on the block wants to eat one. Well, and it's and it's so funny because I hate street tacos because they're exactly what you're describing. It's oh, we've got the this and that. No, no, just just make a dang taco. You're, it's a simple formula: meat, cheese, tortilla. You're done. So, uh, corn tortilla. Yeah, I don't acknowledge people that eat flour tortilla tacos. No, they're wrong. But anyway. So this week, so this is going to be a regular segment as I travel through life. And all today, I had a Nashville hot bacon burger. It had the Nashville hot seasoning on the bacon, the hamburger, and pimento cheese. Where'd you have that? Oh, uh, Jonathan's. Oh, okay. Um, pimento cheese. Now, before you render your judgment, my bet on this is Trey will not eat it. And Based he, upon what? Here's why. One, it's a texture thing. You're naturally a dapper dresser, so I'm I'm sure a little it's pimento messy. a little pimento cheese running down the front of your shirt. Um, I got I got a great joke to tell you about Cheetos after the show, but the the, um, the pimento cheese running down the front of your shirt, the messiness factor, the texture factor, almost that cottage cheese type consistency. Um, now, granted, pimento cheese is hard to go political. And, yeah. and pimento cheese is one of those weird foods. You either want the cheapest pimento cheese they make, 
which is awesome. Or you want the bespoke, handcrafted pimento cheese made in the local butcher shop by his loving wife of 87 years. Right. But pimento cheese in the middle of the road stinks. And all. And, I, and you kind of eat a lot of middle-of-the-road food. So my bet is Trey will not eat pimento cheese. You're right. <laughs> I do not like pimento cheese. Once again. So something else, something you neglected uh, to factor in, though, and, and this is a this is something that comes up in my house a lot, is the nostalgia factor. I love pretty much all Southern cooking. I'm a big fan of traditionally like Southern food. And based on that, I, I actually really should like pimento cheese. And, and, and to be quite honest, I have not had it in many years. And my, my tastes have changed uh, to the point that, I mean, I even eat tomatoes now. And I used to hate tomatoes. But I think for me, my memory, the, the, the reason that it took me so long to get over tomatoes is the same reason I haven't gone back to pimento cheese. And it's the fact that it's exactly what you described. The gas station pimento cheese is awesome. You know, from a five-star restaurant is awesome. But 90% in the middle is dog crap. Yeah, Bojangles pimento cheese stinks. Yeah, and so, you know, when you look at that in the context of tomatoes, fresh out of your homemade garden, incredible. You know, a perfectly grown heirloom tomato, like, yes. But on a Wendy's hamburger, it's underripe and over and awful like it's just no so <laughs> that's because the beef squeezins they put on there <laughs> washing the color off the tomatoes <laughs> but it's but, it's, but it, anyway so pimento cheese is the same way for me if if the middle of the road is and the majority share of anything is awful then i'm i'm probably out well, I, I was just i was taking bets on this before we got before we got here and i i've won and all, because I figured that it was just, it, it, it's such a commoner food, something that the common man could love. Now, granted, I love common man food. I don't like That's pom- what a gyro is, by the way. Yeah, pretentious Middle Eastern Mediterranean look down their nose. Can't even put it on a sandwich. Got to put it on this bread that looks like it was run over by a truck twice. Drug behind it. But anyway, um, a lot of Euro lovers out there hating me right now. But yeah. And what's the deal with the cucumber sauce? Cucumbers oh, are never delicious. meant to be sauced. No. You don't sauce it's cucumbers. It's mostly you yogurt anyway. Yeah, and yogurt. I've never looked at a steak and said, yeah, that needs a big dollop of yogurt. <laughs> but anyway, um, it's kind of like hummus. Well, uh, we'll, we'll Trey eat hummus, yes. I have no doubt Trey will eat hummus like nobody's business. I will. I love hummus. Will Shane eat hummus? Not on a dare. Is that, Really? Is it a texture thing for you? Or do you think it's pretentious? No, it's first, it's anything that you have to explain to me how you should eat it. Oh, you know, the first time I ate... It's a dip. There's no explaining well, how to eat it. The first time I ate hummus, I broke my chip trying to get it out of the thing first, which really is terrible. Okay, well, that's bad hummus if and, it's that thick. And the guy I was eating the hummus with said, oh, no, you need to get a little of the oil in the middle. So if I've got to drag my chip through the oil slick to get enough of this chipped off of the side to make, of this pureed pea mixture, I'm a, I'm a grown man. I don't need to eat pureed peas. <laughs> I'm absolutely against hummus, but I knew you would like hummus. I do like hummus. It's, it's, it's a great... I, I'm not vegetarian, even remotely. But it is, it's a great food for a... It's a great high-protein vegetable-based food. 
sure for people that you know never want to go out and kill it and drag it in and eat it. <laughs> Have you ever tried to kill a chickpea? <laughs> They're really squirrely. But anyway, so that we're, we'll, we will revisit. Hey, send me some questions for Will Trade. Facebook me, facebook.com slash the cigar cast. Uh, just send me your best. We'll trade it and all. And we'll go, th- we'll go through this because I have a lot of fun making fun of Trey for his bizarre dining choices. It, it is all over the map. It's, it's really hard to pin down. Yeah, it, it's, your, your wife must be a nervous wreck when she tries to fix you a surprise meal. Well, she, well I do all the cooking. Okay. Well, that's so. why, because she, <laughs> she, you make her a nervous wreck. <laughs> all right. One more cigar-related thing. We're going to keep this short and sweet. And all, because we covered this article a couple of months back, but we never brought it to a head. Why is there a stem in my cigar? So, cigars have stems that you get from time to time in your cigar. And all, and that's a natural part of the process. It's going to be in there. Now, really good cigars have less stems. Really bad cigars have more stems. It kind of depends. I think it's almost like, um, you know, some chefs can really cook duck and some chefs can't. Yeah. Some rollers really make good stemless cigars, and some rollers are more stemmy. Well, and I think also part of it is 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 the leaf itself. You know, some of your more robust leaves are going to have really robust stems as a result. It's just that's just biology. And so, by contrast, the Cameroon that's wrapping my cigar right now, even now they take the stems out of wrapper leaves but even if they didn't it would be a very small because it's a very delicate thin leaf so here's the question of the night when you encounter a stem do you pull it or do you smoke it and all because if i encounter a stem in where my mouth meets the cigar in the the part of the cigar that's actually going in my mouth and i keep brushing it against my tongue or something it's almost impossible for me not to pull it. Absolutely. Except I don't pull it. I clip it. So you, you reach in there and clip it back a little. Yeah. And I'll, that's probably because I've ruined a couple of cigars pulling a stem. And that's exactly why I clip it, because I have done the same. You know, a good long filler cigar is one leaf all the way through. So that stem could be the length of the cigar, literally. Yeah. Now, so you could be basically gutting your cigar right there on the table. Yeah, exactly. Um in filler tobacco, they really only remove about a third of the stem because they want to hold it because it, it's being it's holding together. So, yeah. So if you think about the size of the leaf, yeah, if by the time you get to one, you could end up pulling, a, you know, destroying the integrity of a third of your cigar by chance. You know, a medium filler cigar, now you can pull all the stems you want out of them. Yeah. Because they're going to be short filler. They're going to be, the stem's going to be an inch long at the most. That's not going to be a problem. But I still clip those just because it's it, it's still it's prob- fine. It's probably safer. Now, if the stem is on the burned end of my cigar, if I tap the ash and I see a stem hanging out there, I don't care. Oh, yeah. Uh, that, that doesn't bother me one bit. I think you smoke through it. But I, I've often wondered. So you so carry a pair of clippers and clip the stem. Yeah. I can see that. Yeah. Is if you've got, you know, because I, I use my little, my Zycar cutter for that because it's sharp enough that I can get it. If you've got a dull uh, or, or maybe a cheap cutter, you're going to have a harder time using that. Um, well, I have a little pair of scissors on my knife, and I can kind of reach up in there a little and yep. clip it about a quarter inch back from where it actually protrudes. If you're the kind of guy like Shane, you carry a kit. Um, get a set of nail clippers. 
Mm-hmm. Or you, if you want to be fancy, get a, a fly tying clippers. They're basically right. the same thing. Um, and those work fabulously for that. Yeah. And, and you can then clip the stem and you're not poking yourself in the gums every time you go to smoke your cigar. Mm-hmm. Speaking of smoking your cigar, give me a rating. I'm going to go... Man, this is, this is tough because I... I am enjoying this cigar. I wish there was a little more to it. And I, by that I mean I've only got an inch left and I wish I had more. But at the same time, I wish there was a little more to it. Um, I'm going to go five and a half, five and three quarters. On its best day, that cigar is a five and a half for me. Yeah. Now, that's a respectable number. It is. Don't get me wrong. For a mass production cigar, for an inexpensive cigar that can fall in the under eight category occasionally... Not in this humidor. Can. No, but sometimes they can. Okay, um, they can fall can fall into that lower price structure. That's a, a five and a half is a, a very respectable rating. Yeah, that's about what I would have to rate that cigar. Sungrown is a six and a half all day long. I love the history behind it. I love the consistency. Yeah, every Sungrown I have ever smoked has drawn, acted, tasted exactly like a Florida Sungrown cigar. It's it's hard to hard to beat that. There's never been an ounce of variation from the first box I bought four or five years ago to this one I am smoking tonight. There's never been an ounce of variation in the taste of this cigar. Now that's a little better controlled because it all comes from the same same farm in yeah. Florida, in Claiborne, Florida, and all. But just an absolute six and a half for me. Um, it gets a little ding for availability. It gets a little ding for price, and all is the only thing that keeps it from kind of getting that seven from me, that valued, treasured seven. But definitely a six and a half every time I smoke this cigar. Quick point on the availability, though. One of the nice things is that you can't always order it for from Corona, and they'll ship it anywhere in the country. Yeah, and Corona's excellent shipping. We've talked about how big a fan I am of Corona cigars. They've always done great, and you will pick it up in Drew Estate lounges. Oh, and, um, I, I forgot they started releasing it that yeah, way. Yeah, and Diplomat retailers, you can still pick it up. Okay. And also, great cigar. And uh, how do they get a hold of us, Trey? You can reach us at facebook.com slash the cigarcast, and I'm really looking forward to all of the Will Trey eat it, so I think that'll be fun. Uh, you can reach us via email at info at cigarcast.com, Instagram, and Twitter at the cigarcast. Well, thank you, everybody, for listening tonight. Until next week, have a great cigar and think well of us.